This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. We're back with you. This is the Halloween edition of Kelly and Ramia. Kelly is uh, the man eaten by a tiger, a.k.a. the tiger himself, and me, Cruella. So we're going through these traditions around the world of people doing different things around Halloween, and we've moved on to peeling apples to predict your future. I've never heard of this, but apparently this is a very popular uh, thing to be doing in UK and Ireland. And although apparently this is not as popular anymore in 2023, because I guess we're not eating as many apples anymore, uh, people do still take part in this. So on Halloween, people peel an apple and then they throw a slice of the peel behind them. And then the slice of the peel will curl into the shape on the floor. And whatever that shape is will make the first initial of any future spouse. Aw, kind of sounds like cootie catcher life. That's and what happens with the wax, right? Because remember, they're stored in wax for a year. According oh, to your yeah. So okay. That's why. Well, that's what the wax is very helpful for, obviously. In Scotland, people will sometimes te- uh, peel stalks from kale and use them in the same way. I guess so. I guess you can do it with carrots as well. Now I'm just tossing in my own potatoes. Thank you, Irene. Potatoes, Sweet maybe. potatoes. I haven't seen a, car- I haven't, yeah, a carrot. I don't know if it'll bend. Wash. I don't know. Maybe add some wax to it beforehand. All right. Yep. We'll ask our or next for a guest. Year so it can get its prediction together. Yeah. We need some more opinions on this. Uh, it's time for the Kelly and Ramia audiobook club aka book club this is our chance and yours to really get into the uh, authors the narrators the books that you love or don't love and today's book for discussion is the latest release by stephen king it's called holly it was released this year it was recommended to us by greg david who joins us now first of two appearances in two days greg how's it going happy halloween <laughs> yeah happy halloween to, to you trying. as well i uh, i love your costumes you look great thank you thank you sir uh, have you heard of the uh, apple peeling thing? Uh, no, I hadn't heard of the apple peeling thing. When you first started talking about that, I thought about the throwing the salt over your yeah. shoulder. But, of course, that's a bad luck, good luck thing. Uh, but, yep. no, I never heard about the the peel. And, yeah, I mean, there's so there's so many things. The next time you're making soup, just throw all of those <laughs> vegetable peelings over your shoulder and see which way they uh, see which way they fall. What shapes they see, land See how many weddings yeah. will be in, your sto- in store for you. Can you imagine yeah, and- the interpretations <laughs> of the shapes? It's a C. No, well, it's a U. No, it's a V. Whose name is it spelling other, out? And what if you're already in a relationship? Oh. Is it only for single people? Yeah, don't do it if you're in a relationship. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Come okay. On. All right. Oh, don't start. I think that would like be doomed, especially if you threw everything over, Greg. It'd be like that old Flintstones episode where the alphabet soup spells out. Yeah, that's right. Oh, we could do it with spaghetti. <laughs> All right, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Greg, fun. we're talking what about Holly eventually, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> you said you binged this book over a weekend. It was one of the, the great catalysts of us um, being excited about the book to begin with. You're a big fan of Stephen King. How did you enjoy it as a Stephen King novel? I, I really, really liked it. Um, it, uh, Like you said, it, it took... it. I consumed it in a weekend, and that's the case with all the Stephen King books when they come out now. I try my best to make them last a long time, but I was immediately engaged by the the story. Uh, you know, we're going to get more into the conversation about this character of of Holly Gibney and where she came from. But yeah, it was really good as a standalone book too. I don't think you need to know her from the other books that she's tied into mm-hmm. uh, to enjoy Holly as a standalone book. 
Did you, though? Did you know Holly and uh, were looking forward to it because you know the character from, what is it, the Mr. Mercedes books? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Mr. Mercedes trilogy of novels. She was first introduced in Mr. Mercedes, and she was helping a retired detective named Bill Hodges, who was investigating into uh, into an accident. I don't want, I don't want to give too much away, mm. but he's, he's, he's trying to, he's, he's hunting down somebody, and somebody that's evil, because it's Stephen King, and Holly Gibney is helping him do that. And through the course of those three books, she becomes a larger character in those books, and she's actually in uh in a standalone book uh called the outsider um that was also made into the, the mercedes books were made into the tv series and the outsider was made into a fantastic and creepy miniseries on yep. hbo and so she's a standalone character in that investigating and so again this uh this happens in the book holly where she's on her own and doing her own detective work and yet it's been really interesting even stephen king has said you know she was a secondary character and he kept going back to her because he thought well what what's she up to now now what's she doing now yeah. and so he liked her yeah and so i became a, a big fan of 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 the character and so when holly came out i was really excited to read about what was happening in holly's life next and it turns out a lot of horrible things yeah a lot and of horrible things after the the mini series hbo did that timing wise it would be after holly the one we just read uh, yeah, the uh, yes, I'm not sure you mean you're you're speaking specifically about the outsider in this case, yeah, right, thinking, Kelly? Yeah, I'm just thinking of the order because of some of the things that went on um, yep. it, within the book and continuing, you know, um, her answering the phone at the end, for example, and the, the, the you know, everything that comes from there. It just seems like a leaping off point. Mm. So I'm assuming Stephen King went back and did more, you know, yep. because we don't see her retire. It's we're giving right. a direct. She's not relieving. That's a fun fan right, thing to do, to kind of sequence mm -hmm. the books with the series and Yeah, even everything. though you don't have to. Have, mm -hmm. like, And I think that's a clever yeah. writer's thing, too, to make sure that you can pick up any of the books and read it and feel included. Yeah. And, and tie and, it yeah, back or you, not. Yeah, and if you, you like, you go back and say, I want to read the first ones. Yeah, because Bill... Yeah, the yep. uh, in the other investigator who you know plays a big part in Holly's mental, like in in her emotional and uh, kind of an upbringing into who she is yep. now. She mentions him so much, but I have no clue who he is because I hadn't read any no. of the other books with Holly in him. But I'm and, and very curious. And there's great references now. to yeah. incidents that happened to other characters exactly. prior this, mm. to this one. Yeah, you're right. You know, like like I said off the top, this certainly serves as a standalone. But one of the things that Stephen King calls his fans are constant readers, and that means that you read all all of his things and watch all of his things. And the thing that he does in all of his books is he sprinkles in little Easter eggs. And so if you're a fan and you know the mythology in all of the books that he's read, you'll catch a character name or yep. a little or a little reference point in there that just you know makes you giggle a little bit because it's a little in joke to all the fans exactly. out there. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's great yeah. that way. He keeps in touch yeah. so well. As even until writing, even writing, he'll make fun of writing and styles and stuff oh. in a lot of his book. There's some reference and to some of the things that he's been accused of or or that we know are part mm. of Stephen, Stephen Who King Who he culture. is or what other books were, exactly. So I'm, I want to get to that part as well, but one big thing we have to bring up is COVID-19. This was written yeah. through COVID-19 times, right? 2020, 2021. And uh, I want to talk to you, Kels, about your impressions of how he represented COVID, how he represented society, different characters, different perspectives, opinions, you know, pro-vaccination, anti-vaccination, all that stuff. How did it sit with you? 
I felt that Stephen King was speaking for himself um, and part of it. I, I recognize that he also had everyone else's angle out there. Everyone that all of us have listened to, whether you are an anti-vaxxer of it, not trusting a conspiracy theorist, whatever you may want to say, or that person that never goes far from you know their, their mask, bumps elbows, and so on. Everything I felt was represented. But obviously, Holly, who is definitely concerned about it, um, you got that impression, you got that feel, but it didn't go crazy over it. You know, you maybe had the off the remark, may that person, you know, de demeaning her because she's like that, but you also had her kind of, yeah, that's okay, I'll keep my mask on, thank you. Mm. you are you vaxxed? No, well, I'll keep my mask on, thanks. You don't need it on. How many of us heard that? Oh, I've been vaxxed, you don't need it on, or I, you know, well, you know, it's only just a ridiculous made up thing. You don't need your mask on. Every angle was taken care of mm. that way, or referred to, shall I say. And it was such a big deal that he wrote an author's note, right? Like a post note about it Very and much. how important it was that we understand what he's representing. Greg, any thoughts on your end? Yeah. Um, and actually, that was my least favorite part about the book um, because, uh, because, you know, he kept going back to it. Um, you know, he talked, uh, you know, Donald Trump was mentioned in the book as well. And, you know, when I, I read a book, I like to kind of escape to that fantasy world and kind of ignore the real world out there. This is, and, and I'm not saying that it really took away from the book. That's just my personal preference. I think this is probably the most timely or time set book of Stephen King's where he's saying, Very okay, this so. is the time range that this is happening in. Because when you go and read this book, you you will now remember those times, mm. right? It was only a couple yep. of years ago for us. So yeah, I mean, that was that was a good part and the bad part about the book, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of that reference that you felt, as you said, Greg, often we can't necessarily tell where or when. You know, you have yep. some idea, but there was more of a directness and almost more of him making sure to uh, unabashedly say, you know, I'm vaxxed. This is the way right. I feel about it. Mm. I make yeah. no apologies. I'll put it in the book. You can sit here and swear at me all you want. And I think that's an established writer, comfortable, who doesn't need you to like or buy his book. Yeah. Yeah, and great point. To be fair, like he's he's represented the, the other side of it as well with the professors and, you know, people mm -hmm. who are... Like, oh, seriously? Like, we're doing all this? But uh, Stephen King is notorious for taking uh, bits and pieces of this historical time frame, whatever he's writing in, and really make that concept clear, right? Really paint a picture of that timeline for you. I'm remembering the Green Mile and the kinds of, uh, you know, bits and pieces he puts in detail so that you understand where you are in history and location. Yep. So... And in five or six years, seven years, let's say, we're all going to remember that. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not going to be It won't as, feel so close. Oh, for God's sake, yeah. this again. Yeah. But I will say, the first two, three chapters, I was like, can we stop with the COVID-19, <laughs> please? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I love when... Um, Stephen King adds characters who write. Uh, Barbara, Victoria, the professors, there's all kinds of elements of writing here. The poetry was significant, obviously, but we get the discussions about good writing, we get it about the philosophical around poetry, um, and you, Greg, being probably the person around the table who reads the most Stephen King, is this typical for him to add characters who write to put down discussions of writing, weave it into the books themselves? Yeah, it turns out that the answer is yes. And I thought, no. But when mm. I started to do a little bit of history, uh, Ben Mears in Salem's Lot is a writer. Jack Torrance in The Shining is a writer. Bill mm -hmm. Denborough in It 
is a writer. Yep. Uh, in Misery, it's all about Paul Sheldon, who is an author that's killed off a favorite character. Um, the Dark Half, secret, the short story Secret Window, Secret Garden, the novel Desperation, the novel Bag of Bones, uh, the novel Lizzie's Story, and the Dark Tower also. Mm -hmm. Stephen King himself is mentioned as a character in the Dark Tower. So yeah, when you go back and look, there are many, many of his books where his main character is a writer of some form. So you yeah, know, it's I... It's uh, interesting you say it because yeah. I find writers, the uh, when I read stuff and people reference writers, there's a list of character or occupations characters and books tend to have. And I think it really, in the case of the types of stuff Stephen King writes, it's nice to have those characters because they can be available to the writer at any time because... They're a writer. They don't have a nine to five job necessarily. It's the same yep. as detectives in some way, right? They don't sleep. They work around. You can put them into so many circumstances because they don't have a regular schedule like the 95% of the people who would be reading these. Yeah, and it's, it's always about right. Yeah, and it's always right what you know, right? And mm, he's a writer, right. so he's writing what he knows. So, uh, yeah. and and uh, and interestingly, almost every one of those characters that I just mentioned, or those books where a writer was a character in the book, they're all male. Um, I think the only one was the Tommyknockers, where it was a female, uh, yes. a female writer. So, yeah, interesting. Right. Yeah, and here yep. Barbara's female, and it's it is Victoria, right? When thinking of the poet. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, but it, it, you said, you know, write what you know, but I also think it's write what you don't know because I, I don't know how challenging it is for him not pulling um, or putting words in Stephen King's mouth. But, you know, poetry is clearly not what he writes, but there's so much mm -hmm. poetry in how he writes. And it, when I'm assuming that when he's writing a character uh, who's a poet, who's uh, talking about poetry in such philosophical and conceptual ways, that that must be challenging as a writer for him to pull that kind of stuff together. It's interesting that he's you bring that up. Now, he he does write poetry. Mm. Um, he has written poetry. I don't like his poetry, oh. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. That's just my opinion. But Tabitha King, his wife, is a poet as well. Oh. And so there might be, you know, there it might have been a little bit of that as well. She always proofreads his books too. And it of does. course, always, well, you know, there's that, yeah. she's, she's that critic across the way. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, obviously he, you know, would have asked her questions about that and, and made her, you know, take a stab at saying, listen, are these characters right? Is, is, are the facts that I'm getting correct about poetry or, or any of the stuff that I'm assuming about po poetry correct? So that's what I'm what thinking. I, what I find about his writing, it's timing. It's the way the ironies that you find as things go along, you know, it starts to feel, this one started to feel like the whole soap opera thing. Well, if this person did this at this moment, we wouldn't be continuing on, but the timing didn't allow for it. But his, his accuracy, his playing and where you'd think, okay, Barbara's going to get over there and help and, and yeah. be the one to discover. Yeah. He holds it off in a comfortable way where you're like, oh, but timing, you say, oh, no, she's doing that. Why is she laying down to take a nap when Holly's in this cage? Mm. Yeah. But but yep. it, it's but it was comfortable. It wasn't, oh, this is stupid. Never, never with Stephen King that way. I do enjoy, too, because as Stephen King has said um, in On Writing, his guide to writing or however he called it, that mm. it's not about 
plot necessarily. It's about a situation. Like, he writes around a situation, right? And yep. so in this one, um, the situation is what it is. We got the, the missing people and the professors. But mm -hmm. he, even though it's named Holly and she's our protagonist, there's so much that other characters share in the victory and the glory and the investigation, right? And she says it herself near the end. Um, but also, like, he really commits to that. He commits to this is not just Holly. The the fitting of the puzzle pieces, everyone or most people take some responsibility for it, including the mother, for example, at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. You, yeah, you're right. I, yeah, it really I, I is interesting, too. And I think that's the buildup of those other characters, Greg, right? That they, mm -hmm. we know that some of the characters have also been, and when Holly was a less of a character in the other books, this was more forward with them. Mm -hmm. They were more present. Yeah, you're right. You, you know, the, the book says Holly on the cover, but definitely there's a lot of heavy lifting being done by all of those supporting characters. And 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 I, I love that. And I think that's a strength of Stephen King. He's yeah. able to build these worlds and these characters that you care about. So when they do, sh when you do shift to another scene, like in a movie or in a television show, but in the book, um, you're equally as engaged in those characters as well and care mm -hmm. what's happening to them. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, literally, right. she was stuck in a cell and everybody else was trying to figure out what the heck doing was going everything. on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was incapacitated. Um, awesome. Great. thank you so much. And even though she saved herself, she still needed that help to save oh, yeah. her for real. For To be saved, exactly. Yes. Greg, thank you. Thanks Appreciate so much for having me, guys. Appreciate always. You too. Uh, we were speaking with Greg David. He's our communication specialist at AMI. Like He never comes on the show, so you might be wondering, who is he? So I thought I'd let you know. Uh, he'll be back tomorrow to talk television, and we're talking Friends and the passing of uh, late Matthew Perry. But here's a book for next month. I am the one who is recommending it. It's called uh, Women Talking, and it's by Miriam Toes. That's T O E. W.S. And it's released in 2018. It's general fiction, Christian fiction, family stories. That's how it's categorized on Sela. Speaking of Sela, it is available in human narrated audio. The sun rises on a quiet June morning in 2009. August Epps sits alone in the hellest of a barn, anxiously bent over his notebook. He writes quickly, aware that his solitude will soon be broken. Eight women, ordinary grandmothers, mothers, and teenagers, yet to August, each one is extraordinary. And they will climb the ladder into the loft and the day's true task will begin. This task will be simple and subversive. August, like the women, is a traditional Mennonite and he's been asked to record a secret conversation. Gradually, as we hear the women's vivid voices console, tease, admonish, regale, and debate each other, we piece together the reason for the gathering. They have 48 hours to make a life-altering choice on behalf of all the women and children in the colony, and like a vast night sky coming into view behind a bright sparks of their voices, we learn about the devastating events that have led to this moment and this decision-making. Incredible sounding book. We can't wait to pick it up and discuss it on the last Tuesday of November, which is the 28th. We hope you'll read it with us and give us your comments and help us review. Taking a break, we come back, we wrap up the show. We got one more montage of descriptive photos for you. We'll give you our closing moment and find out what's going on with now with Dave Brown, the Wednesday edition. We'll be back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books. 
where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.